the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And uh, tonight, we're going to talk in our first two segments about something that if you have or had a job, uh, maybe something you need to know about, and that's if you were injured, Ohio workers' compensation. For those of you who have been involved in it on your own, you know how confusing and confounding that can be. Well, we have two experts, uh, two lawyers who are experts in workers' compensation with us tonight. We have Leland Vincent and David Meyerson. Guys, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, Before we start talking about workers' compensation, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Leland, tell us about uh, Leland Vincent. Yes, I've been uh, practicing, at least specifically with workers' comp, for the past uh, 10 years. And uh, I started Dennis Seaman Associates, the firm that Dave and I are at uh, currently, back in 2015. And I said, workers' comp is, is, all that I, is all that I do, and I enjoy it immensely. And uh, David, tell us about you. What, what role do you play? How long have you been doing workers' comp? Well, I've been doing workers' comp for probably almost my whole uh, law career, which is 35 years now. Um, I did a little personal injury, maybe more of that at the beginning, but mm-hmm. then uh, uh, the firm I was with at the beginning, uh, we did workers' comp as well, and uh, and then, uh, yeah, so about 35 years. Now, my practice has kind of evolved a little bit where I do more of what's called workers' comp litigation, where uh, I end up in the court system more than in the workers' comp system, uh, but uh, yeah, I've been doing workers' comp for 35 years. So you've been, both of you have been through... Uh, all types of situations with workers' compensation. And as I mentioned, people who try to do workers' compensation on their own uh, probably realize after a short time that it's a world of forms and procedures and hearings and confusion uh, kind of a thing. With, uh, with workers' compensation, sort of going back down to basics, uh, workers' compensation is for injuries that occur when you're at work, I guess. That's the general rule. But let me ask some follow-up questions and and, and get some answers. Uh, The questions that come up are when people are going to work, how close to work do they have to be before they can have a claim for being injured outside of, say, the office? Or is that an issue? It is an issue. Actually, I have a very recent case in the Court of Appeals at Cuyahoga County uh, where that was the issue, where a gentleman fell uh, fairly close to his work after he parked his car and was headed into uh, work, um, where the Court of Appeals ruled that he was not in the course and scope of his employment yet um, because he had not gotten uh, to the, the work site. Um, but it, it all depends on the very uh, specific facts of the case, uh, depending mm-hmm. on how much control the employer has over where you would park. If you're like if your company owns the parking lot and you or assigned a parking spot, well, then you would be in the course scope of your employment once you park your car. 
So once you get to that, so you get like spot number 12, that's yours. Right. Then you have, now, you know, there's different types of employees. There's some employees have a fixed job site, and it's called a fixed situs employee where you come to work the same place every single day. But there's other people that, you know, have to travel from site to site to site, you know. And so um, depending on their status of where they're coming from and what they're doing, might determine whether or not they're actually in the course and scope of their employment while they're driving their car even. And that's like after they report into work and then they're out driving? Correct. And sometimes it's whether or not, you know, you could be coming from your home depending on, again, the facts and circumstances of the job and where you're headed and, and why you're headed there. It seems to me the key is are you traveling for purposes of your employment other than just commuting to work? Correct. Is that pretty good? That's pretty good. <laughs> There's a concept called zone of employment, and mm-hmm. are you within that zone of employment? So we've had injured workers who've fallen in the in the employer's parking lot, and it's trying to determine are they actually in the zone of employment. And in most cases, if you parked your car in a designated spot that the employer um, that pays for or controls, then you're within that zone of employment, and that's usually a compensable claim. If you're out driving around during the day for your employer and somebody else crashes a red light and hits you, I know the answer to this question, but I want to hear your take on it. Uh, and uh, because you're working, your injury from that car accident is a worker's comp case. What about the person who hits you? Do you have a, cla- a case against them? Yeah, you did, and you would have both. You'd have both a personal injury claim against the tortfeasor, the wrongdoer of the motor vehicle mm-hmm. accident, and because you were in the course and scope of your employment at the time, you would also have a workers' compensation claim. But that's evolved over the years, because like I said, I've been doing this a long time. Um, now there's workers' compensation subrogation. And that means that any monies that the Bureau of Workers' Compensation or a self-insured employer would pay out in that claim, uh, they might be entitled to get back from the wrongdoer from the motor vehicle accident. So if you collect on your personal injury claim, then you have to pay back some of that money to the Bureau of Workers' Compensation or the self-insured employee. Everybody likes to think about doing it yourself. So someone who is doing their own workers' comp claim, they need to know what you just said. And to go over that is if they get injured while on the job driving their car hit by another person, if they settle and they're working with their workers' comp claim, they're getting money and compensation and medical bills paid, and then they also go after the insurance claim against the person who caused the accident, they really shouldn't be skipping the point of coordinating those benefits and that recovery without talking to workers' comp. They have to. It's law. And if they don't, will that be criminal? Well, it's not criminal, but workers' comp could come back after you for, for the money that you didn't give them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you it, you know the statute, so uh, forty one twenty three. I think it's ninety three or nine thirty one. Uh, that statute. I love numbers like that. By the way. <laughs> right, right. That Ohio Revised Code statute <laughs> number says that you must notify the bureau of any potential third claim, third party claim, the claim against the wrongdoer. Okay, mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, intervene. The bureau can intervene and get their money back. Now, uh, Leland and I talked about this uh, over over the the months now, is that there's been a, a change in the law here in Ohio as how much time you have to file a workers' comp claim. What what was it and what is it now? It used to be uh, a two-year 
window in which you had to file a, a claim with the, the Bureau. However, about, I think it was two years ago, the law did change, and now it's uh, down to one year. So you have one year from that date of the injury to file your claim with the Bureau, and if you fail to do so, um, the claim will be forever barred. So, and I think there, right now, there's something called a VSSR, which is part of workers' comp. It deals with safety violations. That's a two-year window after you file the after you file the claim. But now there's a house bill out there that may actually change it now to one year and reduce the uh, timeline. So, a violation of a safety rule. Uh, it's one year, it's, or is it two years yet? Right now it's two years. From the date you filed the claim? Yes. From the, Not the date actually, of the actually, injury. The, sorry, from the date of the injury. Okay, so the the injury, yes. if you wait for your almost one year before you file your claim, and uh, then you're sitting on your rights and you don't file your safety violation soon enough, you could be out of luck on that as well. That's correct. So you have to talk to lawyers. On this right. Thing. Well, the time frame is very short now. You, you know, mm-hmm. A year goes by very quickly. You know, people say, oh, I'm not going to do it, I'm, it's okay, I'm not going to, whatever. And then all of a sudden they decide that they, you know, the problem is worse, they need more medical attention, something comes mm-hmm. up, and then they're out of luck. And so you really do have to not sit on your rights and, and follow through on these Well, things. that's right. Well, you know, we work with a lot of auto accident cases here, and I know we work with you guys on the workers' comp side of it. Uh, and and what happens is that that one year, you're correct, is chewed up very quickly. Uh, and many, many of the cases we see are spinal cases, uh, neck injuries, back injuries. And they're not fractures, but they hurt. And what happens if someone is very strong and tough and uh, they, get, they get hurt and their back hurts, they may sit at home for like three to six months hoping it's going to get better. And already they've chewed up half of their time they have to get ready for a claim. Uh, how quickly can you file a claim? Well, claims can be filed fairly quickly. You can just pick up a telephone and actually call in a claim mm-hmm. um, to the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. Um, and a lot of claims get <coughs> get filed that people don't even know because they, um, they go see the emergency room. The emergency room files the claim for them, and they don't even realize it. Um, so um, if there's any uh, early treatment that are, is like an emergency room treatment, a lot of times the claim will get filed without people even realizing it. But a claim gets fi- can get filed fairly quickly, but the, this time parameter is a, is a big issue for, for many people and a, and a lot of claims. And, um, you know, from our perspective, the, um, you know, the reason why it's been shortened is to, it cuts out a lot of potential claims. Well, we'll come back. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to workers' compensation attorneys and experts in workers' compensation, Leland Vincent and uh, David Meyerson, uh, about the uh, ins and outs of workers' compensation, that if you're working and you have been injured or you're about to be injured and don't know it, uh, you have to listen up because uh, this this can mean a significant amount of uh, problems if you don't. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after these words. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. 
This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended, as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Tonight we're talking about Ohio workers' compensation and you as a worker, uh, what uh, what are your rights and what should you be aware of? With us tonight are Cleveland attorneys Leland Vinson and David Meyerson, experts and long-experienced uh, individuals in the area of workers' compensation. And we're talking about uh, claims and stuff. So, uh, Leland, David, thank you for joining us again tonight. 
Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, we're talking about uh, claims and the statute of limitations being cut in half. That's a 50% cut in the time you had to file a claim, down from two years to one year, and that year goes by fast. Uh, we were talking uh, during the break about uh, how soon should you report a workers' compensation or potential workers' compensation claim. Uh, how soon should that be? As soon as, you, as soon as you sustain the injury, you need to report it immediately. You report it to your employer, supervisor, so there's something on the record about your injury. Also, you seek uh, medical care as soon as possible as well. It's imperative that the medical records are out there indicating exactly how you were injured and the exact diagnosis. Another reason it's important to report it immediately to your supervisor or employer is because a lot of companies have handbooks, and in the handbooks it states you must report a work injury, and many times the employer's representative will use that against the injured worker saying, well, you didn't report this immediately, so they try to deny the claim that way. So what you want to do is make sure that there's something on the record about the incident itself and with the medical records. You know, uh, as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about uh, some reasons why people don't uh, file a claim or they're hesitant to report a claim. One of those situations is if someone uh, is at their place of employment and they get injured and they feel it's their fault, but they're still working, do they have a claim? Uh, Yes, they do, because it happened happened within the course and scope of work. And they, are in, they should be entitled to the workers' compensation mm-hmm. benefits, which will include uh, payment for medical bills as well if they're off of work for a long period of time, temporary total disability so they get paid and are not without any income. So I, I know that people feel that it's their fault, well, maybe we're not entitled to something, but that, that is sort of the trade-off because if it was the employer's fault, can the employee sue the employer? No, that's the trade-off. That's the whole workers' comp system bargain that we have, which is is that it's a no-fault system. In other words, it doesn't matter whether it's the claimant's fault or the employer's fault or a co-worker's fault or a third party's fault, like in a motor vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a workers' compensation claim as long as you're in the course and scope of your employment. And 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 so, but the trade-off is is that you can't sue the employer and you can't sue a co-worker. Uh, you can still sue a third party, like in a motor vehicle accident, somebody who's not a co-worker or the employer, um, but you know you can't sue those co-workers or their employer as long as they're participating in the workers' comp system in Ohio. Well, what about a situation like this where uh, you're in your, your employer's business and there's an elevator in the building that the employer knows is not working well at all? And uh, the employer is pretty sure that if you get into it, it's going to injure you. And the employer says, I want you, I'm directing you to go into that. And uh, pretty much there's an intentional thought here, and you get injured. Uh, Can you sue your employer in that situation? I'm talking about an intentional tort. Not so easily in Ohio anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. You need um, some documents indicating, I want to get rid of this guy, let's throw him on the elevator, see what happens. Yeah. Really, in Ohio, the only intentional tort uh, in the workers' comp setting that there is is if a guard is specifically removed from a machine, um, then there's uh, still claims for intentional tort. But if it's other action by an employer that the employee thinks is sort of intentional, um, or they knew, you know, they knew uh, about that and they didn't really fix that elevator or that sort of thing, um, 
in Ohio now that's not going to meet the standard necessary to make an intentional tort. If you're self-employed, you have your own business, uh, does that business you run, even if you're the only employee, should you have workers' compensation open up an account? You can. So uh, if you're a self-employed individual, you do not have to. Uh, you do not have to have workers' comp coverage in Ohio, but everybody can have workers' comp coverage in Ohio for their business, including a self-employed individual. And it's not that expensive for a self-employed individual, and um, it probably makes sense to have it. It's another insurance policy to cover you in case you know, you get hurt running your business. And so I tell people all the time that they. You know, if they're going to start their own business, going to be their own boss, then they probably should cover themselves for Ohio workers' compensation. Because once a claim is open, how long does that claim stay open? Well, usually the claim remains open five years after the last date of any type of medical or any benefits paid in that claim. So some claims can go on for years and years as long as you keep on either seeking medical treatment or getting some other benefits. So like a back problem or something that tends to be somewhat permanent at varying degrees over the years that potentially could keep that uh, claim open forever. That's correct. I was recently working on a claim from 1972, which the person is still getting active treatment on. So, uh, again, if you run your own business, uh, consider opening up a workers' comp uh, account, actually. The the other thought is uh, with, with workers' comp generally, uh, are there any problems that you see in the future with workers' comp, or these are, are pretty safe claims for people to open? Or let me let me ask a lawyer. Let me let me, let me, take, let me strike that question as they say in law, lawyer to lawyer. Um, is it proper for an employer to, uh, when he witnesses and he knows that an employee is injured, to ask the injured party not to file a workers' comp claim? They're not supposed to. A lot of employers do, but they're not supposed to. Um, and uh, employers can, though, um, do what's called wage continuation, which is pay somebody their salary while they're off of work um, because of a workers' compensation claim so that the claim does not affect the premiums that the employer pays um, as much. Um, but, you know, you have a constitutional right in Ohio to a workers' compensation claim and uh, you know the employer you know cannot tell you not to file and they um, cannot take punitive action against you for filing Um, and so uh, there is a statute that uh, protects employees uh, from any retribution from their employer it's not a very strong statute it's been weakened over the years by the Mm -hmm. courts um, but there is still that statute that says it's prohibited for the employer to to demote or reassign or punish in any way or fire an employee for filing a workers' compensation claim. Well, what happens in the situation where it's, it's clear, it's a small company and an employee files a workers' comp claim, and while they're on disability, they're notified uh, by their employer, their job is terminated, and they, they would have a right at least to look at a case to file against the employer. What, what can be done? What are the remedies in, uh, say, retaliatory so, so that's a, an interesting question because um, in Ohio, um, when you're off on workers' compensation, um, the the law of like family medical leave applies, and um, an employer does not necessarily have to hold 
your position for you while you're off of work on workers' compensation. So once, you know, family leave is up or time is up that you normally would be off for any other illness or sickness, the employer can then re, you know, hire somebody else and does not have to keep that position for the person. doesn't affect the workers' comp claim necessarily, but the uh, employer does not have to hold a position. Um, and so... And that uh, wouldn't be considered punitive or retaliatory. That, that's not necessarily punitive. Now, on the other hand, if the employer, you know, fires, you know, Joe for having a workers' comp claim but didn't fire, you know, Tom for, you know, being off of work for having a heart attack, mm-hmm. okay, well, then all of a sudden, well, maybe the reason that he got fired was because of the workers' comp claim and not the time period that he was off of work. So we have to look at the facts of each termination uh, from employment to determine whether or not there's punitive action actually being taken. Well, there's no end to the various types of situations that can come up. (laughs) As you're explaining that, I'm thinking about three or four various situations where we have family-run businesses and people being unhappy amongst the family members working and not working. And uh, all the the stories just just go on and on. Um, I'd like to thank tonight uh, Leland Vincent and also uh, David uh, Meyerson. For being here tonight well, and joining thanks us. Thanks for having us. It's been great. It was a pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, we'll have to have you back because there's so many other things we want to talk about for, for the good of the of the working class here. <laughs> right. We need right. to do that. And also, we'll maybe have a night talking about uh, what happens with the, um, the employers. If you run a business, what do you need to do? So, well, thank you both for being here. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK. The Advocate will be back after these words. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance you've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a european river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine portugal has to offer even better you'll move on to spain and experience the rich heritage of this country explore the early influences of ancient rome and since this is a culinary tour see if their food can surpass the bar that the portuguese have set for you And yet, your adventure has not ended, as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn. 
or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back to the McKillops with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, in the next two segments, we're going to be talking about a condition that over 400,000 Americans suffer from, and that is a condition called MS or multiple sclerosis. Uh, Willis, we're going to be talking to Dr. Regina Berkovich uh, from Los Angeles, California, who is an expert and has been practicing uh, as a neurologist for a number of years and focusing on multiple sclerosis. Dr. Berkovich, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, How many years have you been doing, uh, I know, neurology and psychiatry I saw in your background. Uh, How many years? Uh, neurology is my uh, predominant specialty, and MS is a subspecialty, so that was for more than 20 years. So, with regard to MS, we've all heard of MS, but uh, simply put, in layman's term, what is it? MS is an inflammatory condition where uh, the immune system of an individual starts attacking the protection uh, surrounding the central nerves. So the central nerves are located in the uh, brain, spinal cord, and it's also optic nerve. So that's why, depending on where the lesions are and where that protective uh, insulation layer called myelin is getting inflamed and later destroyed, depending on where those spots are, uh, called lesions, uh, the symptoms uh, will emerge. So it can be, let's say, uh, vision loss or double vision if the uh, lesions are in the optic neuritis, uh, optic nerve, or the brain stem, for example, or could be bladder issues, could be muscle weakness, could be cognitive issues. So it really depends on where the lesions are mostly situated. What causes MS? Is it uh, something that's viral, or is it something that is genetic, or what triggers 
MS. So the hypothesis is that it has to be a combination of different things, uh, environment, uh, viral exposure to certain viruses, uh, geographic location, even where you were born and lived until uh, uh, maybe the first decade of your life, uh, if you were in the northern climates that uh, seem to be more predisposing, then low vitamin D and genetic predisposition. It's not a genetic disease per se, but uh, uh, one may inherit predisposition to autoimmune conditions, which MS is one of them. Are, are there any known triggering events that can cause an episode or an initial episode of MS? So the first episode of MS is what uh, usually leads to the diagnosis. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it takes longer, but some patients are quite proactive and lucky to get diagnosed immediately after the first episode. And that one can present itself as a vision loss as a part of the optic neuritis or uh, ambulation deficit or bladder issues or coordination issues. And sometimes uh, it can be something very minor, such as overwhelming fatigue, uh, minor for us, uh, people around, but not for the patient, obviously, or some uh, cognitive difficulties, uh, difficulty making decision or focus. So uh, uh, these symptoms uh, usually occur uh, in younger individuals. So the age of MS diagnosis and of the first event uh, generally is considered to be between 18 and 40 years. However, we more and more diagnose MS, a new onset MS too, outside of uh, that uh, spectrum. So we can diagnose MS in children and also MS uh, may be diagnosed uh, in uh, someone who is uh, already 50 or 60 years old. Can you, I know you have one of your patients with you, Paula. Can you introduce her for us? And I'd like to ask her a couple of questions. I would uh, introduce Paula. Paula yes. is a very uh, fine lady who has been living with MS for many years, and she can say more about herself. Hi there. I am here. Yes, Paula. Thank you. Hi. Uh, thank Hi. you for sharing. Uh, what was your first uh, episode of MS? What was that like? How old were you? And... How did you get it diagnosed? Well, I was 35. I had just given birth to my fourth child. And right after uh, I gave birth, I realized I was having trouble keeping my balance. I was having a little trouble walking. I was still moving around, but it just felt different. And then um, eight weeks after my baby was born, I had a vision problem. So I went to an ophthalmologist, and um, he was looking at me at my age, the fact I'd just given birth to a, a child, and he mentioned maybe this is optic neuritis, maybe you know that's connected with MS. So I went home, and I found a neuro-ophthalmologist, a specialist to take myself to, and I got to that doctor, and that doctor looked at me, and he said, this, you need an MRI, and he looked at my MRI, he looked at my symptoms, and he diagnosed me with MS. It was a pretty quick and easy diagnosis, which is not necessarily the norm. Some people, it takes a long time, and it's very difficult to diagnose. So I'm, I'm thankful that, for me, it was a quick diagnosis. For the early uh, diagnosis, uh, was there treatment available at that point that could actually help uh, mitigate the symptoms, or, or what kind of procedures or treatments were available to you then? 
there, there were some MS uh, medications available at that time, far fewer than there are now. So um, with my doctor, we, we chose one that we thought would be best for me. And then as far as symptoms, there are different medications for maybe different symptoms that somebody with MS feels. Um, but the MS drugs, they've been expanded through the years. What is available now is not what was available to me in the beginning of my MS, unfortunately. Well, well let me ask Dr. Berkowitz, uh, what, is there any connection between pregnancy and women and the onset of MS symptoms? Uh, yes, it's a very intriguing question, in fact, because uh, pregnancy is uh, that uh, unique uh, situation when your immune system is uh, uh, trying to be very calm because it needs to protect a foreign object, a foreign subject, rather, a fetus, right? So that's why usually immune system goes very, very calm and dormant, and uh, this is when MS patients tend to experience remission and may feel, in fact, very good. It's postpartum. It's after the baby is delivered when uh, higher chance of MS exacerbation occurs. And frequently, uh, newly diagnosed patients may experience their first symptoms after giving birth. Now, we didn't mention, but it's important that about 70-75% uh, of uh, people living with MS are female patients. And that's why uh, this connection to the pregnancy and postpartum is a very important one. Now, with regard to females, is there anything preventive that women can do when they're pregnant uh, to, to minimize the possibility of developing MS that would be related to pregnancy? Well, it doesn't relate to pregnancy. The pregnancy may help to surface it, not the pregnancy event per se, but the fact of pregnancy being over. So you see, when the pregnancy is there, the immune system is low. But when the baby is delivered, the immune system all of a sudden gets changed. And this is when the symptoms of a mess will surface. So I definitely don't want you to get an idea that pregnancy can bring it about or cause it, not at all. It's just the situation that can uh, show the symptoms better after the pregnancy is over. So I think that uh, what I really would like to focus is that the fact that MS really has many different clinical types. And unfortunately, it also has to deal with many myths, such as, for example, like, you know, pregnancy being somehow connected. So that's why I would encourage every patient who has been diagnosed with MS or even suspected to have MS to see MS specialist because there is a lot of confusion around MS and we would like it to be resolved uh, as early as possible because then patients can hope for a better outcome of treatment. Well, tonight we're talking to Dr. Regina Berkovich, uh, who's from Los Angeles, California, and she's a specialist neurologist in specializing in multiple sclerosis. 
And uh, we also have one of her patients, Paula, who's the uh, current patient uh, who is experiencing and living with MS. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back talking to Dr. Berkovich uh, and Paula about uh, MS and, and what's going on now and what kind of treatments uh, are available now that maybe are somewhat new and we shall know about. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips on The Advocate. Uh, we're going to be back after these words. Don't go away. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project, we never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Welcome back to Nick Phillips Luther with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Again, thank you for joining us. And tonight we're talking about multiple sclerosis and the latest uh, discoveries and treatments involved with multiple sclerosis. And with us, we have Dr. Regina Berkovich from Los Angeles, specialist in multiple sclerosis. Doctor, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. We, you know, we talked in the last segment about uh, onset with females and pregnancy and, and how pregnancy alone is not really a factor. One question, we, we do have a MS patient uh, in our studio tonight uh, who wanted to listen to this, and she asked a question during the break uh, about whether or not um, nursing a child postpartum after you have the child uh, does nursing depress the immune system to any degree that could... Uh, contribute to a uh, reoccurrence of MS? Uh, 
I'm here on behalf of Novartis, and uh, I'm really uh, um, was hoping to focus on the active secondary progressive MS and raise awareness of the public and the MS community to that particular uh, question. The question of the breastfeeding is a complicated one. I do have my professional opinion on it, but uh, I uh, probably wouldn't uh, air it on a public radio, uh, so I would uh, just, uh, if possible, move on with what I think is the most important to raise awareness of the MS population and neurologists around is active secondary progressive MS and the medication that recently got approved for it, which is the first and only oral treatment uh, which was both studied in large clinical trial, shown efficacy, and approved for active secondary progressive MS, and that medication is amazing. Well, let's uh, move on then and talk about secondary progressive MS. What What is that? So usually patients who get diagnosed with MS, uh, most of the cases would get diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS. And then 80% of that uh, may convert and progress to secondary progressive. That means that this patient uh, who is destined to progress will notice continuous accumulation of disabilities of uh, neurologic deficits, uh, let's say muscle weakness, bladder issues, vision deficit, cognitive issues, decision-making difficulties, et cetera, et cetera. And that can be combination of any of these symptoms, so that can be very diverse. There will be not one single sign to indicate the conversion to secondary progressive MS. I would say the hallmark is accumulation of disability, inability to keep the full-time job, or inability to do all the activities which this very individual could do just a year ago or just six months ago. And then, if on top of it, this person continues having exacerbations or evidence of new uh, enlarging lesion formation on MRI, that would make active secondary progressive MS. Now, I understand, Paul, is there, do you have the yes. active secondary progressive MS? I, I do. Uh, about eight years after my initial diagnosis of relapse and remitting MS, my doctor and I, uh, were, we did a lot of talking. It was not an easy diagnosis to come to because it's pretty much by observation uh, in, in my experience. And uh, so my doctor finally did give me the uh, diagnosis of secondary progressive MS. And I've been living with that for about 10 years now. And uh, so although with MS, things can be very uncertain, um, working out a good treatment plan with my doctor, I think my MS has been pretty stable for a number of years now, and I I feel better about that. But um, just working with the doctor and figuring things out, it's, it's not easy, it's not a quick diagnosis getting into secondary progressive MS. It's, but it is something that needs to be talked about at the right time. Now, Dr. Berkovich, how frequent is it that people will develop uh, secondary progressive MS of the patients? 
So I, as I said, statistically about 80% uh, of patients who've been diagnosed with uh, relapsing remitting MS may convert, up to 80% may convert into secondary progressive. That's why uh, uh, the importance of this discussion, because it is not uncommon, it is rather a frequent uh, occurrence, and we uh, expect uh, to diagnose it uh, more at this time because uh, uh, more medications hopefully will come. Uh, Mazent is the first one and so far the only one that demonstrated efficacy in the clinical trial focused on secondary progressive MS. Uh, we hope to mm -hmm. uh, continue accumulating these uh, treatment options. Uh, but at this point, I think it's very important for uh, all patients and neurologists to be aware of uh, all the new developments. Uh, how does Mazent work? Does it, uh, does it arrest the further development of secondary progressive MS, or does it mitigate uh, the, the symptoms, or, or how does it work? It works uh, by specifically engaging into the immune system reactivity, and uh, it is not immunosuppressant, it's immunomodulatory drug, so uh, it has a very intricate mechanism of action, which, uh, of course, uh, we have a very strong hypothesis around, but uh, officially cannot uh, say that we know 100% about it, but have a pretty good idea. And uh, basically, it slows down the progression, and that's what is expected of uh, any medication that is getting approved for progressive form of a disease. So uh, we expect to see slowing down of progression so every individual hopefully or at least majority of the individuals should have better outcomes as compared to if they were not on any treatment. Since, since the, uh, the percentages of conversion from relapsing remitting MS to secondary progressive uh, MS seem so high, is um, Myzen something that people should look for to take before they start showing signs of secondary progressive MS? This is a good question because uh, actually and conveniently Mason got approved for different clinical types of MS. In fact, it can be taken as early as the very first event of MS or it can be taken for the treatment of relapsing remitting MS and it also uh, can be taken for active secondary progressive MS, which is much closer to the population which uh, the medication was officially studied for. So, uh, uh, yes, the medication can be taken before the person gets diagnosed with active uh, secondary progressive MS. The, um, and uh, let me ask Paula, how are you doing now? Are you taking the, uh, the medications? Are, are you more stable now? Well, I seem to be pretty stable now, and um, I've worked with my doctor to figure out a treatment plan that's working best for me. Um, I, I'm doing very, very well, actually, right now. Oh, excellent. Well, uh, let me ask Paula this question. Uh, what is the one thing you would like to share about your condition uh, that the general public may not be aware of? Uh, well, every course of MS for each person is very different. So... Just because you know somebody that has MS, and it's not going to be, my, I'm not going to be the same. And even if we have similar symptoms, it's going to affect each person very differently. 
And that, that's actually very frustrating. It's, it's not like uh, you just have a, a temperature and everybody knows what a temperature does to you. Mm-hmm. But this, this, every symptom is so different in each person, and each person reacts to every symptom so differently. It's, um, it's a very unique and individual disease. Well, it uh, certainly is something that is, is in the news, and this is uh, definitely good news. Let me ask Dr. Berkovich, uh, where can um, our listeners go for more information about MS and the work you're doing and the treatments and so forth? So in respect to specifically Mason, uh, there is a website, mason.com, uh, M-A-Y-Z. ENT.com. Uh, more information and whether or not this medication is appropriate for individual person living with MS, that is something that needs to be discussed with the MS specialist. I would recommend uh, because MS, just like Paula said, is such a complex disease, very unique in every individual, and we have so many treatment options available, which may be good for one patient, may not be appropriate for another. We always recommend to see MS specialist and get a recommendation from a specialist. Also, I would say and stress the importance of staying positive because specifically in MS disease state, we have so many great breakthroughs and so many good reasons for uh, optimism. Uh, so it's very important to remain positive, do the best you can, and at every single moment make sure that you get the best out of your treatment and out of your patient-doctor relationship. Well, very good. It sounds uh, optimistic that good things are happening. Dr. Berkovich, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And Paula, thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset, sat and drank my fresh mint tea, with nothing to do until morning, and only my mind for company. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.